Hi, welcome to Reset Your Mindset by Life Stance Health. Myself, Dwight Thompson, and my co-host, Nicolette Lianza, will bring you conversations with leading Life Stance Health professionals who will help guide you on your journey to positive mental health and well-being. At Life Stance, we believe in the three pillars of mental health, mental flexibility, mindfulness, and resilience. Welcome, everyone. We're really excited to be back with you for another episode of Mindset by Life Stance Health. As always, we are joined by Nicolette Lianza, my co-host, myself, Dwight Thompson. And today, we're very fortunate to have first-time guest, one of our providers here in Columbus, Ohio, Holly Schweitzer. Holly, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Dwight. It's good to be here. Welcome. So we brought you on to talk about some of your specialties and we we really like to give some of our listeners sort of a peek behind the curtain and some insight into um, different mental health concerns Um, and I can't really think of many better people to talk about what we're going to be talking about today um, which is bipolar disorder which is something I know that you treat a lot Um, so let's dive right into it Holly can you tell us simply what is bipolar disorder Um, certainly well first I will uh, start by saying that I am a psychiatric nurse practitioner um, and I've been with PsychBC since, I guess, 2016. Um, and in my outpatient practice, I treat um, a lot of bipolar disorder. So what is bipolar disorder? Um, it is a mood disorder, which is often characterized by um, symptoms of both depression and symptoms of mania. The, the actual technical definition of bipolar disorder, though, is that if one per- if person has to have at least one manic episode in their lifetime, and that is what gives them the diagnosis of bipolar disorder. So in the true definition of bipolar disorder, you don't even actually have to have a depressive episode. Um, you just have to have at least one manic episode in your lifetime. I think it's important to note though, however, there are different types of bipolar disorder. So mm. that is descriptive of bipolar one disorder. Okay. Um, so there is also bipolar two disorder, Um, which does require that you have at least one major depressive episode and one hypomanic episode. So that's how you would meet criteria for bipolar two disorder. And characteristically, we think of bipolar two disorder as people having more depression than mania typically over Mm -hmm. their lifetime. And when they have mania, it is what we call hypomania um, in the sense that the mania is, it's still as severe. It just doesn't last as long. So it's for shorter periods of time. Um, and then kind of beyond that, there are sort of subsets of bipolar disorder or different types, meaning um, there's bipolar disorder with psychotic features. And then beyond that, there's also schizoaffective disorder, bipolar type. Um, and so those two additional are used to describe people that not only suffer from bipolar disorder, but also suffer from breaks in reality where they have psychotic symptoms as well. Thank you. So a couple of the terms um, that you mentioned uh, in layman's terms, can you explain what is mania? What is a manic episode? Well, um, I often tell patients like mania is kind of feeling like Superman. Um, So that's kind of our traditional way that sometimes even patients will describe it. Um, It's a feeling of like you don't need to sleep um, Mm -hmm. and you just have a lot of energy Um, You kind of feel elevated or on top of the world. Uh, You want to just go and do like start a bunch of projects. 
Um, often it feels like your mind is racing. Like there's just mm. ideas flying everywhere and you can't focus, like you can't read or you can't really focus at your job. You feel very distracted. Um, and sometimes really mania can move into some dangerous behavior, right? Because if you're feeling really good or sort of invincible, you might get some ideas in your head, like I can drive my car a hundred miles per hour, or um, there might be sexual indiscretions mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. spending sprees. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of where sometimes mania gets people into some negative consequences. Yeah. You know, one of the things I'm thinking about right now is some media depictions of people in a manic disorder or a manic episode, I should say. And I'm trying to think of examples to better to kind of put across there an example of what it might look like that we know with Hollywood and the media, sometimes it's not exactly accurate, but off the top of my head, um, if anyone's familiar with the show shameless, one of the characters on that show, uh, I, they do a fairly okay ish job depicting depicting his struggles with bipolar disorder and showing him making some really faulty or having some very faulty decision making in manic episodes and stuff like that um anyone else uh holly or kendra which will be definitely bringing kendra into this conversation no other examples in, in movies or in the media that might show examples of uh, a manic episode I can't really think of um, necessarily any examples. It just, um, I mean, Holly, I think you're shedding light on how hard it is. I mean, it can sort mm -hmm. of manifest in so many different fashions. Um, and so we appreciate you um, explaining it a little bit and sort of breaking it down for those folks that might not be privy to what exactly bipolar disorder is, or maybe even people that are maybe navigating it themselves, um, which I you know you help people do a lot. Um, so with that being said, you know, we're really fortunate to have you joining us, Holly, but this is a really special episode, um, for us because we actually, um, have the pleasure of bringing on a client of yours to, um, speak to her story, um, her amazing story and some of her experiences navigating, um, her mental health. So with that being said, Kendra, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Kendra, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know it's an open-ended um, open-ended statement, but we'd love to just learn a little bit more about you. Yeah, so I am a nurse during the day. I actually just got a new job working with um, pediatrics. Oh, congrats. Uh, yeah, thank you. And I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder um, shortly before meeting Holly, actually. And I had um, I had depressive episodes before that, and then um, had my first manic episode, um, in 2017. Okay. So it's been a journey. Yeah. Well, I'm sure, um, I'm sure you're happy that you found Holly. I know, um, yeah. she does incredible work. When were you, so when were you diagnosed with bipolar disorder? I think I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in, um, March of 2012 after okay. my first hospitalization. Okay. I saw, um, I sort of saw you nodding along when Holly was giving some of the examples of the way it manifests. Um, were you able to relate to any of those? Yes. Um, just especially with the manic episodes, um, you're, you're literally watching yourself do these things that go against all of your moral values sure. and you can't stop yourself. Um, I know for me, I um, was drinking excessively and that's not something that I usually do. Mm -hmm. Um increased in um sexual behaviors uh spending money on ridiculous things i think one of the uh, funniest 
purchases that came out of my first manic episode was an actual working IV pole that I bought off <laughs> of the internet <laughs> because we were learning IVs in school and I thought I needed to practice and it's still in the box at my parents' house. So um, I could definitely relate to all those things that definitely with the manic episodes, what they look like in your life. Yeah. So. Well, let me ask you this, and this is for both Holly and Kendra. What is the specific treatment methods for navigating bipolar disorder? Holly? Um, yeah, I'll speak to that first. I mean, I think what I need to say first is that um, a lot of patients don't seek treatment for mania. Mm. Um, and that is why it's actually so hard to treat. Um, you know, most patients, when they're feeling that way, they, they're, they feel good. Um, they feel like there's nothing necessarily wrong. Um, and sometimes they're just getting a lot of stuff done. Um, and they kind of like to have that energy, that manic energy. And, and I'm not always saying that mania is pleasant because it's not. There's also mania that is characterized by extreme agitation and irritability. Um, and it feels very uncomfortable, almost like a buzzing, um, sort of an, an anxious feeling. So that's a very unpleasant type of mania. But um, and that's often just thought to be anxiety sometimes with patients. So so again, it's, it's almost hard to treat because patients don't necessarily come in um, for treatment of mania. And so you mm -hmm. kind of have to be very thorough when you're asking questions and getting a history and trying to figure out what is the manic history. And occasionally you'll get somebody though, right out of the hospital or in the hospital because the mania has taken them that far where they need mm -hmm. inpatient care. Um, so traditionally the treatment for mania is mood stabilizers. Um, and there's different types of mood stabilizers, but what we believe is that, um, you know, within the neurons, um, which neurons are what transfers information in the brain, right? So within the neurons, there are ion channels. And those channels, we believe, are just opening and shutting so fast with mania. And that's what causes these extreme changes in mood. Um, and so what the mood stabilizers do is it slows down that ion flow in the channels to help regulate the neuron and stabilize the neuron. Um, and so those medications include things like Depakote, lithium, um, Lamictal, I'm gonna forget some, I'm sure, um, <laughs> Tegretol. So, and they all work a little bit differently. That's just kind of a broad um, way to describe how the mood stabilizers work. Yeah, thank you for explaining that. Um, just like with so many other mental health concerns, this is very multifaceted. Um, and sound and incredibly difficult, I'm sure at times to navigate Kendra, how, how have you found yourself sort of navigating life with bipolar disorder? Um, it's definitely a team approach. I can't do it by myself. Mm. I've got, you know, Holly as my, um, nurse practitioner, and then I've got an amazing therapist that's also through psych VC. Mm -hmm. Um, so really having that open communication with them throughout everything, um, also having my family and friends that I'm closest with knowing, you know, what's going on at most times Absolutely. and being open and starting conversations with them. Mm -hmm. Um, it just makes it a lot easier to live with it because, um, I'm not spending as much time explaining, you know, this is what bipolar disorder is because they've already taken time to know it. So mm -hmm. I can just kind of be like, Hey, I, you know, feeling like I'm a little hypomanic right now. What mm -hmm. can we do? So. Yeah. Well, Kendra, kudos to you for taking sort of, you've had, mm -hmm. clearly have such a sense of urgency to sort of approach this and get your arms around it. 
Um, so just that, that is incredible because I think how, like Holly mentioned, a lot of folks don't really take that first step to, um, better, you know, take care of it. So yeah, it took me a while to get to that point though. I was going to ask Kendra, can we, can we talk about getting to the point of acceptance? (laughs) Let's, let's talk about that. It's a, it's a a huge challenge, right? Because, Mm -hmm. um, Kendra is all of these things, right? She's intelligent and she's funny and she's a a good nurse and she's a good friend and so to say I have bipolar disorder which I don't like to use the word disorder I like to use the word illness Um, that's just my own personal I feel like the word disorder sometimes separates mental health from other types of illnesses in an unfair way but Mm -hmm. um, to just to be accepting that she has to deal with this as part of her day-to-day life I think it's just so natural or normal for patients to resist that to say you know, this isn't really happening, or I can somehow beat this or to minimize what's happening. And, and patients will do that for years, unfortunately, before they might come to accept like, okay, this isn't changing, I have to actually live with this day to day. Now, how am I going to do that? Um, and that is not an easy process. And that is why, you know, my patients are in many ways, like my heroes. I mean, they are the most inspiring people that I I deal with day in and day out because they have to come to terms with all this. And I'm just a part of that journey, I guess, kind of watching from a distance as they come to that place of acceptance. And definitely in the last two to three years, Kendra has not only come to that place of acceptance, but she's come forward and been so brave about trying to help others through the journey. So incredible. Um, And Holly, Nikki's going to kill me because this is going to go off on a tangent a little bit, but you said (laughs) something there that I'd like to talk about more when you said you you prefer the verbiage illness juxtaposed to disorder. Why do you think using illness sort of normalizes it more? Um, Because if I, if I understand correctly, I think that's sort of what you were getting at. Right. I mean, disorder in itself to me has almost a negative connotation, um, almost as if it's the uh, fault of the individual. Um, like this person has a disorder. I don't, I don't know if it's just me who has that negative feeling around that word. Yeah. Um, but I do think a lot of people have that sort of connotation behind that, the name of that um, versus thinking of this as an illness, right? Just like other illnesses right. where there is a biological basis, a genetic basis, an environmental impact, mm-hmm. and then of course the impact of the individual. Right. So I think when we think of disorder, we think only of the individual and we're not, we're taking away the fact that it's just, it's an illness, just like all other illnesses. Yeah, that makes total sense. And Kendra, it sounds like you've done an excellent job of having um, conversations that I'm sure are not easy when you're talking (laughs) to family members and friends. Um, But that's what you're trying to do is normalize it, right? Yes, definitely. Definitely. I feel like um, the more we talk about something, the less scared we're going to be. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. And, you know, there's the quote where they're like, you know, the fear of the name only increases the fear of the thing itself. So I just Mm -hmm. try to, you know, be upfront about it and and take away that stigma. And I I think that's part of the issues that there's still a stigma out there with mental health issues in general, with bipolar disorder. So I think speaking up about it, talking about it definitely takes away that, that stigma a lot, a, a bit more. And there's still a process of kind of, as a society, us getting more comfortable and recognizing mental health is just as important as physical health too. So, mm-hmm. so Kendra, you are definitely a, a trailblazer here. Sure. <laughs> Thank you. Can you expand a little bit more on maybe the psychotic symptoms that might come out of bipolar disorder? 
and the treatment for those? Yeah, so psychotic symptoms um, are obviously some of the more problematic symptoms that can come with bipolar disorder as psychotic means that the patient has literally had a break from reality. Um, and they often present as either delusions or hallucinations. So a delusion is um, a false belief, um, and that belief is it's based on usually something in reality, but the, there's a misperception about it. Um, and there's different types of delusions, and that's probably the easiest way for me to explain it. So, mm -hmm. for example, there there's like a, the bizarre illusion where like that might be the classic, you know, someone believing that they're having conversations with an alien in their backyard, right? Mm -hmm. So like something that most people would think is physically impossible, that would be a bizarre delusion. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's persecutory delusions, which are pretty more common. Um, and they're very difficult for patients to deal with where they feel like they're being conspired against or controlled, or maybe even someone's controlling their own thoughts um, or can hear mm -hmm. their thoughts. And so mm -hmm. those are very terrifying symptoms. And that might be also sometimes why patients are scared to come forward because mm -hmm. they, they don't even know what's real and not real. And they, like I said, they feel as though something's outside of their control or controlling them. Um, and then there's also grandiose uh, delusions where feeling like you have some sort of special power or some special ability and you mm -hmm. so strongly believe that you're willing to kind of do maybe some irrational things. Mm -hmm. um, so those are delusions. And then hallucinations are when, you know, you hear voices outside of your own. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe you're in the shower and you hear something telling you to hurt yourself. Um, or maybe you're out driving and you hear a voice telling you you're being followed. So again, it's usually a pretty scary experience. Mm -hmm. um, and then visual hallucinations can be as strong as seeing a physical person or just shapes or shadows or something mm -hmm. like that. So usually with psychotic features, it does require additional medication, um, including atypical antipsychotics, which are often used for um, bipolar disorder anyways, uh, to also help manage the mood symptoms. So I don't know if that explained everything. Oh, yeah, but... perfect. That was, that was very thorough. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So, Kendra, can you tell us a little bit more about your struggles with some of the maybe psychotic symptoms you endured? Yeah. So, after my first diagnosis of bipolar disorder, you know, I had year after year of just the ups and downs of bipolar disorder. And I was kind of getting used to that and kind of my new normal and then um, in October of 2018, I was really stressed out at work, and um, that led to my first psychotic episode where I um, heard I'm a, a, a huge Lady Gaga fan, and she had released a new song that came out with the movie, Sha or not Shallow, but the movie um, A Star is mm -hmm. Born, and I downloaded the song, and I listened to it, and I liked it, so I started listening to it again and again and again mm -hmm. um, for pretty much 48 hours straight um and after listening to it so many times I believed that uh Lady Gaga was telling me that I needed to kill myself oh and I believed it so I started you know taking the actions needed to do what I thought that I needed to do um at the last minute I uh reached out to a friend to tell her what was happening and um, they took me to one of the local hospitals where I stayed inpatient for uh, 18 days. Um, so I was in there for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that was when we added um, an antipsychotic to my, my medication regimen. But that was a big deal for me because it took my what was my normal and kind of flipped it on its head. So mm -hmm. wow. 
Thank you for sharing that, Kendra. Uh, that sounds yeah. incredibly difficult. Um, yeah. And so, so you know, that sort of happens. And what are next steps after um, when you're sort of looking at like aftercare and um, how you're going to sort of navigate life now that you're on this? What were what did life look like after that? Um, it still took us a while to find the right antipsychotic that works for okay. me. Um, luckily for me, so something that I've struggled with for years, and I know Holly's going to be like, this is old news, <laughs> it's, it's med compliance. Um, I really have a hard time staying on my meds. I will be doing good, and then all of a sudden, um, I will get this thought in my head of, I don't need them. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have to take them. I can get away with taking without taking them, and nobody will know. And that always comes back to haunt me because uh, that's when the mania or the depression or even the psychotic stuff comes back into play um, harder. So um, we did find a medication that's um, a monthly injectable medication. Um, So that helps with the compliance. That's been a life changer for me. Awesome. Well, Kendra, let me ask you this. What advice would you give someone who is newly diagnosed with bipolar disorder or bipolar illness, we'll say, any specific advice you'd give someone who's just newly diagnosed with it? Yeah, some advice for somebody that was newly diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I would say to really evaluate your support system. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that you have a good treatment team behind you that's all on the same page. And also evaluating who in your life can be a support when it comes to bipolar disorder. Who can you go to? Who can you trust? Um, and just kind of making sure that they know that that's how you see them um, and relying on those people and letting those people love you and take care of you on your bad days. Yeah. Right. Right. Great answer. Holly, any other, anything else you'd like to share with us as we wind down our time together? Any other things you think would be very important for people to understand about bipolar disorder? Well, I think Kendra just touched on it in terms of struggling with compliance. Um, and we kind of mm-hmm. talked about in the beginning with, even acceptance of the illness. So, um, and it, it's not that the patients don't want to be compliant. Being compliant with these medications is difficult. Um, not just taking medication daily, but managing side effects and then also managing when you're still having symptoms while you're taking medication. So, those are just frustrations that they have to manage and deal with in addition to the illness itself. So, um, working with your treatment team closely and being as honest as you can about your compliance is just so important because these illnesses, they do, they do get worse if they're not mm-hmm. treated just like mm-hmm. any other illness. Um, and I, you know, I try to remind patients that the more compliant you are, the better chances we have of success, but that obviously requires a lot of open dialogue and willingness to both of us be vulnerable to each other in many ways. Cause it's a very interesting relationship um, where they have to be willing to trust me and I have to be willing to trust them. So good point. Okay. Well, Holly and Kendra, thank you both um, so much for joining us. Kendra, thank you so much for being so candid. Um, And, and Holly, thank you for your insight. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of takeaways from this. This was very informative um, and very relatable as well. So thank you both. Thank you both. Thank you guys.